I want you to open your Bibles this morning to the ninth chapter of the book of Acts. And I'm going to look at the sixth verse. Uh, Let let me just say a a couple of things that are very important. One, uh, you know, when we clap for people or for songs, uh, it's our our way of saying thanks. We love you. It's a thank. It's a clap offering. It's not that we're applauding the person. We're applauding Christ in the person. It's not that we're applauding the performance. We're applauding the Jesus that they've exalted. So a a clap offering. The Bible says, clap your hands unto the Lord. Uh, I want you to know that I want to give two clap offerings today. I I don't want to do the clapping. One, uh, I read every card that I got. And there were hundreds. I, I don't know how many. Hundreds. I read every one of them. They meant a lot. Your prayers. And I just want to clap for you. Thanking you for the cards and the prayers. But there's one other person I want to uh, offer a clap offering to. And for 40 days she's put up with me. And that was my wife. (laughs) I want to give her a clap offering. She was real strong. I'm telling you, she was real strong. She really helped me. Woo. I'm used to helping others. And it's in a tough place when you can't do anything, can't even help yourself. So I want to clap for my wife and I thank God for her. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, before I went into the surgery, by the way, it's been 40 days yesterday. You know, it's something about 40 days, isn't it? 40 days yesterday. When I went into the surgery, I had a plan. Number one, I was going to take the time to listen to some CDs of men of God that have always ministered to me. So I got about 12 CDs by Ron Dunn and about 25 CDs by Manley Beasley. And as far as I know, I listened to every one of them. Now, the problem was the first 14 days after the surgery, I mean, I couldn't listen to nothing. I wasn't sure who I was or where I was. You understand? But once the 14 days, then I listened to all of Ron Dunn's tapes, listened to all of Manley's. In fact, today you may find as I'm preaching, I'll say something and then I'll say, amen. And Manley amened himself all the time. He was always amening himself. But then I read, uh, I was determined I wanted to read uh, Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray was born in 1858, died in 1907, 89, something like that. What a man of God. Impacted and still impacts every generation. Anything you can ever get by him, I'm telling you, this man knew God. Most of his writings were in Dutch, translated into English. But so I got all the books I could go on, on an iPad. By the way, I learned how to use an iPad. Praise God. You can just flip the pages and they're big and you can see it. I said, hallelujah, fine iPad. And then I got all I could about uh, A.W. Tozier, who 
uh, Murray, uh, Andrew Murray died in 1907, so he was way before. But uh, A.W. Tozier died in the 60s. He was a contemporary and friend and co-laborer with Leonard Ravenhill. And those two men, I read countless uh, of, their, of their works during these days. But now I want to tell you, that this is the thing. This is the profound thing. And I am not exaggerating when I tell you this. All the CDs and every chapter of every book I read, including the Bible, had the same bottom line message. These men, they knew the message. They knew it. And they may start over here in the Old Testament, but they always got back to the message. Didn't matter where they started. They always got back to the two important truths that the whole Christian life hangs on. I mean, absolutely. It was amazing. They would start here. Ron Dunn's message on uh, wrestling with God, when Jacob wrestled with God. He got right back to the same old truth. And, and, and Manly spoke one on the underwriter of the promises of God. Every one of them got back to the same truth. And I'd read Murray, and I'd read, uh, uh, and, and they all got back to these two truths. Now, you know them. That's the problem. <clears throat> we know them. And I've always, in the last few years, sought to live by them. But it's almost like God showed me there's a depth to this that you need to experience. There's more to it than you understand. And so don't let the familiarity with what I tell you this morning, do not let it in any way take away from the significance of what it means to you and what it means to me and what it means to this church. Because I am committed and I understand that you need to understand this much about the Christian life. Christian life is one day at a time. God is the God of the now. You can promise God what you're going to do in the future all you want to. But I am telling you, you better talk with him every morning and get things settled about that day. Because it's one day at a time. God is the God of the now. Not the God of the past or the future. He's the God of the now. You say, well, pastor, what were the two truths? I've known them. I, I bet I've confessed them to God many, many a morning. But I, they, they're, they are totally different to me now. The, the, the impact they're having on me is, uh, I don't know how to describe it. Here are the two truths. For you to live the Christian life, an abundant life, the life God created you to live, and the life Jesus died to save you to live. Two things have got to be true. First of all, you have to live, and I have to live, a life of absolute surrender. And I use that word clearly. Absolute surrender. That is the absolute heart of our daily walk with God. That every day the attitude of my heart and your heart is, Lord, today I am 
absolutely surrendered to you. All that I am, all that I have, everything about me, and that's a part of me. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. And I realize that if I'm going to hear from you today, if I'm going to experience your blessings and power today, I must live this day in absolute surrender. Not one area of my life of which I have not placed under your control. This is a pretty strong statement, but I'm going to say it. If there's an area of your life that you have not absolutely surrendered to God, then you're in rebellion. See, the only reason you would not surrender that area of your life to God is that you're in rebellion. And so what we have to allow God to do to get the rebellion out of our heart and just say, Lord, I absolutely and unconditionally surrender every area of my life to you. It is my deliberate choice as your pastor every day of my life to come before God in absolute surrender. Oh, I've done it before and I've done it many days. I've preached this. But it means a whole lot more to me than it ever has. And I want to challenge you today to let the Spirit of God search your heart and ask God if there's any area of your life that you've not surrendered to Him, that is not under His control. Now, now don't fluff this off. Please don't take this lightly. I, I want you to have the best walk with God that you can have this side of eternity. I want you to know God more intimately and personally than you've ever known Him. I want you to experience the blessings of God, His life and His power, in a way that you've never experienced it. But that does not happen apart from a life of absolute surrender. Now, here's the second truth. And the amazing thing is this. You can't have the one without the other. Every message I heard, every book I read, the scriptures I read all kept going back. You've got to live a life of absolute surrender. You can't hold back anything. But then the second thing was, we have to be sensitive. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's presence and leading in our life. We daily have to hear the voice of God. Now I want you to look at the, uh, how these are two sides of the same truth. If you are in a place of absolute surrender to God. Listen to me. Then you're in a position that God can speak to you. You're in a position that the Holy Spirit can lead you. But if you're not in a place of absolute surrender, then the Spirit of God cannot speak to you like He wants to speak. He cannot lead you the way He wants to lead because you're not in a place of surrender. You say, well, Brother Fred, I hear all this deal that I need for God to speak to me about my finances and God to speak to me about my marriage and 
about God speaking to me about my children and God speaking to me about this and that. But I don't know if God ever speaks to me. Then you've got to ask yourself the question. Are you in a place of absolute surrender? Because when you are in a place of absolute surrender, the Holy Spirit of God is free to lead you. And the good shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, is free to speak to you. Because in a place of surrender, you are sur- you're sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying. And you're sensitive to that still, small voice of the Savior who said, My sheep hear my voice, and they follow me. So you say, Brother Fred, out of these 40 days, what's the most important thing? That every day that I live a life of absolute surrender to God. And that I lead Luke 418 Fellowship to be a church that is absolutely surrendered to God. You say, the second thing is that I listen every day. I'm sensitive. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, where are you leading me? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Not living by reason, living by revelation. Do you understand how significant, man, when you're surrendered, God has an open channel to speak to your heart about whatever's going on in your life and a life of absolute surrender to God that is sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leadership and the voice of Jesus, that is the life God created you to live, and that is the life that is abundant in Jesus Christ. Just speak briefly on both of these. I want to talk to you about a life of absolute surrender. Acts 9, 6, I want you to look at this. Saul, on the road to Damascus to persecute the Christians and put them in jail, hated Jesus, everything about the cross. God just knocked him flat of his back. And we read, it says in verse 3 of 9, he journeyed, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. He fell to the ground. Hey, hey, he knew it was God. He knew it was Jesus. I mean, he knew it. He fell to the ground, heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Listen to what he said. Who are you, Lord? Then he said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the prick. Now, here's the verse. And for the rest of his life, he lived this verse. It's called absolute surrender. Listen to what he said. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Wow. Lord, what do you want me to do? For the rest of his life, every day he got up, every moment he lived, here's what Paul was saying, Lord, I'm listening. 
what do you want me to do? Because you know what? From that moment, Saul, who became Paul, lived a life of absolute surrender. And everything he did, he did under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and hearing the voice of God. Lord, it's March the 4th. What would you have me to do? So this life of surrender is all over the Word of God. Now, please, please get this. A life of absolute surrender means that you offer up your Isaac to God. You know the story of Abraham and Isaac. I'm not going to go into detail. Isaac was a son of promise through which he was going to bless the world. God said, take him up on Mount Moriah, offer him as a sacrifice. Abraham said to the people, now me and uh, Isaac are going up on the mountain to worship God. To worship God, by the way. And worship when you offer God absolute surrender. We're going to go worship God, but we're going to come back. Because even if I do the sacrifice, God's going to raise him from the dead. Of course, we know they got up there and God had provided the sacrifice. But now I want you to listen. What a life of absolute surrender, what it is. Because that is exactly what God said to Abraham. Over in Genesis 22, it says here uh, in verse 12. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. Are you ready? For I know you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. He said, Abraham, I know one thing. You are a man of absolute surrender because you just placed on the altar the most precious thing you had, your son. And I never, I know one thing, Abraham, you've not withheld anything from me. You're a man of absolute surrender. And then he goes down again in verse 15. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply your descendants. He said, let me tell you something. I know your heart, Abraham. You're absolutely surrendered to me. I saw it when you placed Isaac on the altar. I want to ask you this morning. What is your Isaac? In order for you to be absolutely surrendered to God, what is your Isaac? And once you place Isaac on that altar, God says, I know one thing about you. This isn't a game. You've absolutely surrendered to me. You're a person of absolute surrender. You know, God expects you to surrender. Did you know that? Have you noticed... How creation surrenders to God. The sun obeys God. It comes up when God tells it to come up. The moon obeys God. It does exactly what God. Have you noticed how creation is absolutely surrendered to God? Creation. Did you know the lily? It places itself in the hand of God. And lets God just absolutely make it as beautiful as he wants to make it, and Solomon in all of his glory. Have you ever noticed that creation absolutely is surrendered to God? 
God expects surrender. Now, God expects surrender from us. Let me give you two verses. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice. Woo. He said, I'm expecting you to present your body. I mean, I'm talking about absolute surrender. A living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to me, which is your act of worship. That's the word, act of worship. When you surrender your body's living sacrifice, it's worship. Don't be conformed to this world. It says over in Romans 6, it says, Reckon yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God, surrendered. And says, present, and, and, yield, and it says in and, and chapter 6, yield, your, yield yourself to God. Yield yourself as one who is alive from the dead. God expects us to surrender. That's the normal thing for a child of God. Here's the second thing. Now, boy, if you get this, th- th- this will uh, make you shout. And uh, it'll make you say amen. God not only expects you to surrender, he will accomplish. He will accomplish your surrender. God knows that you can't surrender to him in your own power. He knows that because you have tried and you have failed. Lord, I want you to know I'm surrendering that to you. And for 24 hours I did and I took it back. Brother Fred, you're talking to me about something that I can't do. I know you can't do it. That's your problem. God has to accomplish the surrender in you. Now, I want to give you a verse. Now, you get this. God will, he will enable you to surrender. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. You can't surrender apart from an act of God. Now, I want, now listen to this verse. Because it tells you that you don't, you don't have to try to surrender. You don't have to work at surrendering. You just got to get to the place that you cooperate with God. Now listen to what it says. In Philippians 2.12. Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only. Paul said, you've always obeyed, not just when I was there. But now you've obeyed much more in my absence. He said, work out. Your own salvation with fear and trembling. And then he says it. This is it. This is it. For it is God who works in you. Now, wait a minute. He said, you work out what God works in. For it is God who works in you. Both to will and to do his good pleasure. God, I want to live a life of absolute surrender. That's where I want to live. God says, I'm going to work it in you. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do. And so I come to, before the Lord and said, Lord, I'm, it, I, I, I cannot surrender to you. I cannot live a life of absolute surrender apart from your mighty power. So God, will you work in me, both to will and to do, A life of absolute surrender. God has to work it in you and through you. You say, but Brother Fred, 
you don't understand. I've got so much clutter in my life. I've got so many problems in my life. I've messed up so bad. I've got so much baggage. I, I'm, and I, I, I don't want to go, go through all this. I, I don't want to go through all this of having to surrender it all to God. It's, it's just too big a mess, Brother Fred. Well, listen to me now. He knows, he knows the mess. He knows it. You say, but I'm not really sure. Now, are you listening? This is important. I'm not really sure that I'm willing to live that life of absolute surrender. Well, then I tell you what you need to do. Then you need to, you need to tell this to the Lord. Lord, I don't know if I'm willing or not. But I'll tell you what. I'm willing to be made willing. There have been times where I said, Lord, I do not know if I want to surrender. I'm struggling with surrendering that to you. But I want to tell you right now, Lord, if I'm not willing, I'm willing for you to make me willing to place that on the altar. See, God expects you to surrender. God himself will accomplish your surrender. And number three, he'll accept your surrender. He'll accept it. But it won't be perfect, Brother Fred. I I mean, I'm I'm not sure I can uh, offer a perfect surrender to God. Wait a minute. Now listen to me. God's got to work it in you. And you come with a willing heart and absolute surrender. And then what God will do, he'll accept you where you are. You say, well, Lord, I don't know if it's absolute or not. But I'm willing for it to be. Just remember now. You just come to God in absolute surrender with the will. And then let God, God, God will, he'll accept it. He'll take you where you are and he'll work that surrender in your life. The only way it won't happen is if you're not willing. He will accept it. It may not be perfect when you offer it to him. It probably won't be. But that does not matter. He will accept your surrender. He will. I guarantee he will. But you've got to do it. And then the next thing is this. God expects you to surrender. God will accomplish that surrender in you. He'll work both with will and do your good pleasure. And then when you come with a willing heart, God will accept your surrender. He will. And he'll begin to mold you and make you. But the third thing, fourth thing is this. He will maintain your surrender. He'll give you the power to stay surrendered. Oh, he will. You see, the Christian life is not us. If we could do it, it's called humanism. It's the divine power of God who expects us surrender, who enables us to surrender, who accepts our surrender, and then who will maintain it. <clears throat> you know the story, but I want you to listen to this. In Mark chapter 9, now don't miss this. It'll show you that God will maintain your surrender if you'll surrender to him. Jesus had been up on the mountain. Mark 9, he came down from the mountain. There was a man who had a son who had a demon spirit since he was a child, all of his child, just since he was a child, all his life. The disciples couldn't help him. So this man comes to Jesus. The disciples, his son was still Possessed by the mute spirit that Jesus called it. And he came to Jesus. 
And uh, said, look, he, he asked the Lord, said, uh, they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and on the fa- fell on the ground and foaming at his mouth. So Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening? He said, from childhood. Often he has been thrown into the fire and into the water. Now listen to what he said to Jesus. But if you can do anything, if you can do anything, have compassion and help us. Now, here it is. Now, Lord, I'm coming to you in surrender. I'm willing for you to work that surrender in me. And you accept it. But now, Lord, I'm going to tell you, you're going to have to maintain it. You're going to have to enable it, me to, to live it out. I can't do it in my own power. It's almost like, Lord, if you can do anything... Have compassion on us. Now, wait a minute. Listen to what Jesus said. If you can believe. Oh, the man said, Jesus, if you can do anything. Jesus said, that's not the issue. It's not what I I can do it. The issue is, if you can believe. Are you listening? All things are possible to him who believes. You say, I cannot live a life of surrender, Brother Fred. No, I know you can't. But you have a willing heart. Jesus said, if you can believe, if you'll just believe me, all things are possible to that man or woman that says, God will enable me to live a life of absolute surrender. He said, Lord, I believe. Listen to what he said now. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. My goodness, how many times have I been there? Jesus expects you to surrender. He will enable you to surrender. He will accept your surrender. And he will maintain it. It's not if he can, if if you'll believe. For all things are possible to those who believe. You know, I'm just saying to you. You're not going to get anywhere until you get to the point of absolute surrender. Brother Fred, spell that out. Okay. First of all, you take yourself. And you place yourself on the altar. Now, along with yourself, you take your marriage. And you surrender it to God. You take your children and your grandchildren along with yourself. And you put them on the altar. You surrender it to God. You take your finances. You take your health, you, you take your social life. In other words, when you go in absolute surrender, you take yourself and put it on the altar, and it's everything you are, everything you have, everything that's associated with you, everything. Now, once it's surrendered to God, God can work in it. Your finances, listen, when it's surrendered to God, it's His responsibility. It's his responsibility because you've surrendered it to him. And so, man, once you put it on the altar, then you can say, all right, Lord, I surrendered that to you. I surrendered that to you. Let let me tell you one thing. You say, but Brother Fred, I'm in control and I'm doing a pretty good job. I want you to listen to me very carefully. The time will soon come. 
when you're not in control. It's already there. You just think you're in control. Let me tell you what I knew that. <laughs> Woo! I was so, and I, I don't know what else to say but use the word, and I repent. I was so proud of my health. I worked out every week, lifted weights, jogged. And I'd say, man, 74 years old, only, only surgery I ever had was knee surgery, orthoscopic knee surgery. And I, I guess I was proud of my health. I do not know. I, I know one thing. <laughs> And, and, and I just felt like, well, buddy, I'll tell you one thing. I'm going to live to be 85 because I'm going to take care of my health. I mean, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do it. But I'm going to tell you, I don't know if they did this or not, or either I dreamed it, but it was an awful feeling. I knew I was not in control. I think I was supposed to be asleep when they did this. But one arm was over here and one arm was over there. And the nice thing I remember was them taping this arm down to something. And I said, my Lord, I ain't going to be able to move my arm. <laughs> Folks, I wasn't in control. Now, that's pretty graphic, but I'm going to tell you. You get to notice you lost your job. Well, I've been doing so well. I have my 401K. I got my finances in order. But then you lose your job. What am I going to do? I'm not in control. You're like the young man married four children and his wife says to him, and he was in control of his marriage, I, I don't want to be married anymore. And out she goes. See, if you're in control of any of those things, you're really not in control. It can change in an instant. What never changes, if you're in absolute surrender and you've given it to God, then you say, God, you have a problem. <laughs> you got a problem, Lord. I lost my job. <laughs> you got a problem, Lord. My wife just walked out on me and I'd already surrendered this marriage to you. Do you understand the difference between you being in control and God being in control. And he's only in control when you're in a place of absolute surrender. I, I'll close the, with this, this word. Once you are surrendered, the Holy Spirit can speak to you and lead you. I'm just going to read these verses. And I tell you, it is so exciting in my life at this point that I'm not doing anything, nothing. Now, I tried not to before, but I'm just telling you, this is where I am. I may be slower, but I'm going to be sure who I'm listening to before I do anything. Do you understand? If you don't, I'm going to say amen to that. If you don't understand, I want you to understand it. Don't act impulsively, okay? Just let me give you these verses. Once you're in a place of surrender then God can speak to you. Here it is. John chapter 10, verse 4. Uh, Jesus said, And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. His sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know his voice. 
When you're surrendered, you'll know God's voice. When he speaks to you about your finances, when he speaks to you about your marriage, when he speaks to you about your kids, when he speaks to you about everything, you'll know his voice. And once you've heard from God, that's the only thing that matters. And then in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. When you're in a place of absolute surrender, you hear the still small voice of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice about my marriage, about my kids, about my money. It's his money. About everything in my life. My sheep hear my voice. They're surrendered. They follow me. The sheep do not rebel. And then there's a great verse in Romans 8, 15. Please listen to this. Are you listening to me now? When you're in a place of absolute surrender, you can be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You can hear God's voice. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the children of God. As many as are led by reason, no. As many as are led by emotions, no. As many as are led by logic, no. As many as are led by the wisdom of this world, no. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. You're in a place of surrender. And the Lord Jesus says, I want you to do this about your marriage. I want you to do this about your son. I want you to do this about your employment. And you just find the still small voice of God, the, the little still promptings of the Holy Spirit. And you just find that God just leads you and leads you and leads you and leads you and leads you. But you know why he can lead you? Because you're surrendered to him. You're in a place of surrender. And therefore you can be sensitive to his voice. And you can listen and obey him. And, and, and it's nothing in this world like being led by God's spirit. And because when God's spirit leads us, it is always accompanied by God's peace. Now I know... You say that sounds, all I can say to you is, every message I heard in those 40 days, every book I read, they came back to the same place. Fred, you have got to live a life of absolute surrender to God. And you've got to be sensitive and listen for God's spirit to speak and for God's spirit to to lead and for the voice of Jesus to give you direction now I'm telling you that's it if I could write it in your heart and I'd do it but all I'm telling you that's it and I want you to know by the grace of God and I will, I will fail miserably without Jesus I don't intend to live another day without absolute surrender and quickly, quietly moment by moment listening 
for the voice of God and listening for the promptings of the Holy Spirit because as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God.